Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Okay, this is Class 7 and it is Session 5. Uh, we have finished our section or chapter on visual impairments and we're now going to look at those who have special gifts and talents. Alright, so when we look at giftedness, alright, as we look at, um, first off, a biblical definition, you know, the Bible tells us that everyone is given gifts. Um, those gifts are not necessarily going to be intellectual gifts. Some of those gifts are hospitality. Um, some of the gifts are things like teaching or prophecy. Um, we're talking more about an intellectual giftedness where the person is thinking in a way that is sort of different from the norm. Um, this is not federally funded. It is not under 94142 and IDEA and IDEIA. It's not covered under that at all. So it's up to the states as to whether they will choose to provide services for those who are, are um, intellectually gifted and also talented. Right now, 31 states do have laws that require the schools to provide this for their children. Um, and most of them fully fund the programs, at least now. Now, there's talks in a lot of these states about pulling some of this funding because money's getting tight in a lot of places. But you'll note right now, of those 31, only five don't give full funding, but they do fund at least part of this. Um, so as I mentioned, IDEA doesn't require it. So states are different. Um, each state sets up their own standard as to what they would choose to do. So when children move from state to state, um, they might actually meet the criteria for gifted in one state and they go to another state and they don't. Um, and that is, of course, very frustrating for the child. Everything else is standard across. So, I mean, if you were, you know, on the autism spectrum in, you know, Mississippi and you moved to Colorado, you're still going to be considered on the autism spectrum. This will be different from that. We do see more girls than boys who are gifted. They are not all, however, um, correctly identified and they are not all receiving services because the expectation is usually that there will be more boys than girls and that's actually what we see in the classrooms um when we look at students who are from various diverse backgrounds um low socioeconomic level uh, minority status um, those with disabilities, um, we have strong underrepresentation there, um, possibly because we don't really expect those children to be gifted. All right, so there's really no clear definition because, again, we don't have um, federal law setting this up. And so different schools systems in different states are actually using different things. And really in a state, you may see difference. But usually what we're seeing um, when we kind of look at this is a child who is capable of performing at a very high level. Now, that doesn't always mean they do, all right? But we give them an IQ test, and they do very well, and they could perform well. And usually there's achievement in one of these areas, all right? Again, the general intellectual ability by itself is enough to get you classified as gifted in most states. Um, sometimes there's an academic ability that um, they're very strong in reading or they're just really, really strong in math, something like that. 
Um, now, states will vary on this. I, I assessed in Louisiana for a long time, and when I was down there, they had a lot of oil money at that time, and so they really put a lot of kids into the gifted program because they felt like they could afford it and why not. Um, and so they could definitely go in with a, a strong reading score and a strong math score, and they didn't have to necessarily have the high IQ to go with it. All right, some it's because of leadership, and we see them kind of taking on a natural uh, leader role and kind of getting kids um, to follow them in various activities. And um, when they see that characteristic, that's usually a sign of a child who's gifted. And then creativity. Um, those who think in a very creative way, um, sometimes that's considered talent. Um, this is actually sort of hard to measure. It's very subjective as to what this would be, and it includes things like art, music, dance, theater, all those kinds of activities. Garner looks at different types of intelligence and says that there are eight. One is musical intelligence. This would be a person who is just naturally gifted with all of the different instruments. Um, and I have a really good friend who has um, a doctorate in piano, which I didn't even know you could get. Tell about her. And her child is very, very gifted. Um, she is too. Um, but he can play any instrument. You just hand it to him and he starts playing it. It's amazing. Um, bodily kinesthetic type of um giftedness is when you know where your body is at all times and uh, in time and space so the athletes the dancers uh, people who are very gifted with moving their body um, logical mathematical this would be one most schools recognize a little bit more than the other two up there um, these are people who think very analytically they're good at physics chemistry math those kinds of, of things um, linguistic again schools pretty much recognize this you're good with language you write well you read and, and understand what you're reading well um, spatial would be a person who has really good cues about the environment sculptures would go here uh, people who would be good at architecture um, would go here engineers a lot of times have really good spatial skills interpersonal skills is being able to really interact well with other people um, actually most psych majors are pretty strong with this one they've like had people come into them since the time they were little and wanting to talk to them about their problems because they they listen and they are very empathetic um, with other people and that's not a skill everybody has and it's not one everybody recognizes in tripersonal is being able to understand yourself very well and know why you feel the way that you feel and why you acted the way that you act and again that's one a lot of the psych majors are pretty strong in that one too um they may be strong in some of those others up there but definitely those two and then the naturalist is one who is really good in things like biology and the environment um and enjoys um plants and animals and insects and that kind of thing um prevalence numbers we really have so many variations that it's kind of hard to really say um, but the guesses are about three to five percent of school age children. Um, you'll note some folks think it's really, really high, up to about 10 or 15 percent. Most of the schools aren't going to serve that many children because they just can't afford it. Um, but right now, according to the National Association for Gifted Children, based on the 2007 data, there are about three million children who actually are identified and served as gifted or talented. Um, schools use oftentimes a cutoff score and the, the score kind of varies a lot of them will set it so that they're getting about 2.28 percent of the children on that so if we use a cut of um, 2 percent 2.28 percent we're talking about a cut of 130 
And that's what a lot of the schools do, in fact, use. It's two standard deviations above the mean. I'll show you that in a sec on a, on a graph. But that puts about two out of every 100 children. Um, as we go up into higher numbers, if we're talking about 140, that's usually about one in every 1,000. Um, for 150, about one in uh, 10,000. That zero got left off. And for 160, it's one in 100,000. All right, so you won't see those numbers that often, but you'll see close to, I mean, those higher ones. You'll see 130 and 140 quite a bit. Um, so there's different areas of assessment to determine the giftedness or the talents. Um, we look at the strengths. Um, all kids who are in gifted will have at least one or two strengths. Um, some have many strengths, but there are children who aren't strong across the board and are still gifted. We want to know what their interests are. Um, all children who are gifted have something, usually like a super focus that they just really are into uh, and they know all about it. Um, we'll assess for leadership because again, many of these kids really do just kind of take over. <laughs> um, they may take over your class if you're teaching a class with these kids. Um, if you have a family, they may try to take over that too. So you got to kind of um, really make sure they don't do that. There's a tendency for them to. Um, obviously, we're going to assess their intellectual ability. We're going to give an IQ test there. Um, and usually, again, they score very well on that. Um, we look at academic achievement. Now, most of the time, these kids are going to do well. Um, a lot of them are making A's, at least A's and B's. Um, you get a couple of times these kids who are in a class and they're bored and they might slide by with C's. They're not working too hard because they knew this a long time ago and they just don't feel too interested in going back to something when they're thinking about something else. Um, so sometimes they don't. Now, every kid that makes C's, by the way, is not gifted. Um, and then we're going to assess for creativity. And there are a lot of different ways of doing that, and I'll show you one coming up. All right, this um, lady named Janice Sesbos did this, and I want y'all to look at this because this is important. All right, this is looking at bright learners versus gifted learners. So let's look at the bright learner. This is a lot of kids are here. They make A's and B's. They like school. Um, note what's going on here. You ask a question, they know the answer. They pay attention. They work hard. They're always in the top group. It doesn't take them long to learn. It's about six to eight times. You go over it, they got it. Note, they love their friends, they get all their assignments done, they enjoy school, they may play school, they go home and play school. All right, they memorize well, they're very alert. This is a, a bright, bright kid. However, that is not a gifted kid. A lot of these folks' parents do not understand why their kid is not gifted and they will fuss. Like, why is that C student getting into the gifted program? And my little A student is not. All right, well, here's why. Here's what the gifted student's like. All right, they don't just know the answer. They're going to ask the questions. They're very, very curious. Why is it this way? Why can't we do it that way? All right, they got these wild, silly ideas. And here's the key. They play around and they play around and they play around. They do not work hard, and yet they test well. All right, they are so into detail. They're very opinionated, very strong feelings about things. They will argue, and they love to argue. And they can out-argue most adults. All right, they already know this stuff, so they don't have to learn it. Um, that takes about one time. They got it, and now they're tuning out because you're going over it the other eight times for the bright learner and another 20 times for the standard learner. All right, you'll know that they'd rather be with adults because they think at a higher level. Um, they're always coming up with new projects and designing something new, and they love to learn. Not just absorb information. They want to learn. All right, they are great guessers on tests, so they may not even have looked at it, and they can make a 
passing grade on a test. And then note the real big one on the bottom, they're highly self-critical. All right, your little bright learner is very pleased and likes to talk about how much they know and so proud of themselves. This kid is going to say, I cannot believe the teacher said I did a good job when I only made a 98 out of 100. I could have done better. All right, this one is a completely different thinker. It's not about grades. It's more about how they process information. All right, so a couple of different types of thinking. We've got convergent thinking, which is what most of our schools are going to teach. And the idea here is you converge on a correct answer. Um, two plus two, there's only one answer. You're supposed to get it. All right, and we do a good bit of this in schools. All right, there's divergent thinking as well, where there's more than one right answer. So we may tell you, tell me how many things that you can think of to do with this brick. All right, and then there's lots of options that this child can think of, and the more out the box they are, the better um, they are at creative type of thinking. So if they say we're going to use this brick and we're going to do a doorstop with it, that's not really all that creative, right? Sort of just standard thinking. All right, if it's we're going to stack all these bricks up so that we can stand on them and kiss somebody taller than us, okay, that's divergent thinking. All right, one test of creativity, there's a lot of them, is to give a page filled up with these um, O's or circles. And we tell the kid, fill in the circles and do whatever you want on this page. And I'm seeing that a lot on these college applications now. A lot of the kids are being told, here's a square, do something with the square, um, do whatever you want. Um, and they can you know, draw something in it or they can build a pop-up card or whatever, but you're looking for creativity with that. All right, so I'm going to show you. This is a response from a kid who was eight. This particular um, child got a high score on divergent thinking. I think I would agree with the person who graded them because he didn't just color in a circle and make a lot of happy faces. All right, you can see that we've got a couple of superheroes on the top row, which would make sense for an eight-year-old boy. Um, you've got a little, my favorite one, is the braces are beautiful sign where we've got the braces on and you know, we've made a banner right outside of the box. Um, they've got a really cool wheelchair. Um, we've got the carriage that has like the wheels um, and the stop, wait, and go, the little traffic lights, cute. All right, so there's a lot of things here that you probably wouldn't see. Now, you'll know he ran out of time. Um, there's actually four down there that didn't get filled in, but the ones that are there are really, really creative, and he got a high score for that. Um, I know adults who wouldn't do that well, quite frankly. Um, so it's real subjective, though. Obviously, as you can see, someone else may say it isn't all that creative, but this kid did get high. All right, the, the least restrictive environment, there's only so many options that we have. All right, one is acceleration. We move you ahead um, of the program. We usually don't get you started too early. If you're in public school, you really can't start until you're five. All right, if your family chooses to homeschool you, I guess they can start at two or three if they want to, but um, maybe not pushing so much academics is better. Um, this is skipping a grade, or uh, we have a, a concept called telescoping grade, which actually may be better than skipping. As if you skip, there are some skills you may miss, um, especially on those odd years, like when you're learning to write or to multiply. Um, 
but we were telescoping you'll do second third and fourth grade all in one year um you finish what you want to do for second a couple months and you move and do it that way you're getting kids here who are graduating sometimes just a year or so early sometimes they're getting out at like 11 um going into college really really young um we've had kids as young as 14 um at bell heaven that i know of and you know they do well in the work socially there's a whole different ball game going on there um so our big definition here is that we're moving more rapidly through the curriculum, gets us out of school quite a bit earlier. Um, again, as I mentioned, you can skip. Um, you can compact the curriculum through telescoping. And here what we're looking to do is, you know, if you have already know it, then let's just move on. Uh, let's not make you sit through it in the classroom if you already know it. Um, and the teacher just teaches the stuff that they don't know. All right, to these children. All right, and if they're just really exceptional, like that child I told you about who was, you know, so smart and was reading the stock market back in first grade and maxed out all our intelligence tests, you probably need to send them somewhere else. Um, so we start with the difficult stuff and make sure they know how to do it. All right, another option that most of the schools prefer is called ability grouping or cluster grouping. And what we're doing here um, is like putting all the kids together um, in a class, like a class for the gifted, or uh, I might just have a cluster group within my classroom and we're working on higher level material than we are with the others. But most of the schools do have some sort of program for the gifted and that's an ability group. All right, sometimes there's enrichment programs within the school that, you know, the, all the schools are, you know, gonna invite all the kids to go to oh an opera or something and we're all going to go see that um sometimes there are magnet schools where um the kids can go and they're grouped together there in that magnet school by ability um some of those are really high on the arts um, we actually have one down the street from bellhaven that's a magnet school um called the performing arts center um, where children can come and you know they do a lot of dance and music and that sort of thing there um, there are also some schools that are charter schools, like the kid that I sent off was going to a charter school that was designed specifically for those who were gifted. Um, there are self-contained classes on your standard public school campus, and there's a teacher for the gifted. I've heard them called gifted teachers. I'm not sure that's true. Um, but they teach gifted, and they're working with the children. And sometimes these are tough because... You know, they may work with chess, all right, and chess is going to help you with strategy and thinking ahead what will happen if you do this and what could happen next. Well, you know, the average kid walking by just says, oh, they're playing games in there. Um, they're not they're not doing anything academic. Um, and so sometimes there's some issues with that kind of thing. Um, there are some special schools though, where you go just for the day um, and you would then go back home at night. And there are those that you would live at as well. Um, those are usually designed for the, the really, really high end of gifted. All right, so we are now done with session seven and you're gonna do your reading and your writing assignments for the week. Um, answer your discussion questions and um, make sure that before um, you finish up, you take your quiz. Um, and you can see here that we have the textbook and then um, our reference for Bright Child Gifted Learner. All right, this is the end of week seven. I hope you're having a great week.